if you all were um, if you all were leaving Cameron or going on a, a long trip, leaving your friends or, or your neighbors, and you weren't sure when the next time you would see them, uh, what what words might you have for them? Um, what kinds of things might you convey? Um, just just uh, think about that for a little bit. Um, I, I think sometimes we go through life uh, so quickly um, that we don't think about what kind of legacy that we want to live. Um, the passage of Scripture that we're reading today, is, it comes from Acts chapter 20, and it is exactly Paul having this opportunity, having church, uh, served the church at Ephesus, or at least um, having been in Ephesus for over three and a half years, uh, both ministering in the city of Ephesus and also using that city as kind of like a center point from which he would uh, go into Galatia and Macedonia. Um, he finds himself now being called by the Spirit uh, to go on to Jerusalem, and he has this sense that he will not see uh, the people of Ephesus again. He will not uh, be seeing the folks in this community. And so he calls the leaders together uh, to share uh, this message. And so I want to read uh, that passage from Acts chapter 20, and we're going to begin in verse 17 and read to the end of the chapter. From, Milad from Miletus, he sent a message to, the, uh, to Ephesus, calling for the church elders to meet him. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived among you the whole time I was with you. Beginning with the first day, I arrived in the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of trials that came upon me because of the Jewish leaders' schemes. You know I held back nothing that would be helpful so that I could proclaim to you and teach you both publicly and privately in your homes. You know I have testified to both Jews and Greeks that they must change their hearts and lives as they turn to God and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what will happen to me there. What I do know is that the Holy Spirit testifies to me from city to city that prisons and troubles await me. But nothing, not even life, is more important than my completing my mission." This is nothing other than the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify about the good news of God's grace. I know that none of you will see me again, you among whom I traveled and proclaimed the kingdom. Therefore, today I testify to you that I'm not responsible for anyone's fate. I haven't avoided pro proclaiming the entire plan of God to you. Watch yourselves and the whole flock in which the Holy Spirit has placed you as supervisors to shepherd God's church, which he obtained with the death of his own son. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you and won't spare the flock. Some of your own people will distort the word in order to lure followers after them. Stay alert. Remember that for three years I constantly and tearfully warned each one of you I never stopped warning you. Now I entrust you to God and the message of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all whom God has made holy. I haven't craved anyone's silver, gold, or clothing. 
You yourselves know that I have provided for my own needs and for those of my companions with my own hands. In everything I have shown you, that by working hard, we must help the weak. In this way, we remember the Lord Jesus' words, It is more blessed to give than to receive. After he said these things, he knelt down with all of them to pray. They cried uncontrollably as everyone embraced and kissed Paul. They were especially grieved by his statement that they would never see him again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Everyone with ears to hear, hear the words of God this day and respond. I find this this passage from Paul interesting, very interesting. The more I I, uh, um, was in this word this week, um, I was surprised. I don't, I mean, what would you expect if someone were indeed going away and they weren't going uh, to see you for a while, what would you expect them to say? Um, You know, I don't know. I'd kind of maybe expect them to to give uh, two or three uh, points uh, of their motto for life. Or um, if, if it's a pastor leaving, um, I would expect that they're going to give me their, their, the greatest uh, a sermon that they have, one last chance to get everybody converted, all right? Uh, but I find it interesting how Paul begins this. Paul begins his farewell speech by saying, you know how I have lived among you from the first day I arrived. Let that sink in. Paul doesn't begin with a sermon. Paul doesn't begin with uh, three points about God. Paul begins by saying, you know how I have lived among you from the very first day I arrived. You see, Paul believed that how we live life matters How we live our life matters. Our words are meaningless if our lives are not an example of the words that we speak. And in fact, the way that we live our lives uh, speak volumes above what we say. They make what we say uh, uh, more, um, it, it make it easier for people to hear and to relate to when they see the example of how lives are lived. You know how I have lived among you from the very first day. You see, there is nothing more important than how we live our lives. I I want us to hear that if we hear nothing else this morning. I want us to hear that, especially if you have children, you know this. Yes? It does no good to tell your children to do one thing, and then you go and do the other thing. Correct? It does no good. Good, because they are paying attention to what you do. And what you do verifies that what you say you truly believe and live by. The same is true true of churches and of Christians. It does no good to tell people God loves you while uh, demonstrating and spewing forth hate 
it does no good to say God calls you to holy life and for us to go forth and not even attempt to live life in the way of Jesus. You know, when, when I first became a pastor, um, I remember in seminary having pastors uh, come back to seminary for retreats. And one of the things that stuck in my mind is how often pastors came back and they complained about the fact that they were under this bubble and they were held to this higher standard. And I couldn't help but wonder, but doesn't that go along with being a leader? I mean, doesn't it go along with being a leader that if you are going to espouse the gospel, if you're going to espouse some words, then you ought to demonstrate that in your life. You can't be a leader that says you're here to unite people when everything you do is divide people. And so this is an important thing for all of us to hear if we hear nothing else from Paul's message this day. He says, you know how I lived among you from the very first day. And for those of us who weren't there and didn't know what that looks like, I think Paul elaborated and he said, I served the Lord. From the way he lived his life, they knew that he had served Jesus and he had done it humbly with humility, not with pride. He did, it, he did it in a way that invited other people. He did it in a way that rather than condemning people, that it allowed people to experience forgiveness and to know that they too could follow Jesus. He did it with all humility, not with pride, he says. And he did it even in the face of having those that he, he sought to serve and those uh, whom he sought uh, to point to Christ, even when they did things to him that rejected him and hurt him, even when the very people, the Jewish people from whom he came, uh, rejected his message of the Messiah and spoke up against him, even as he went into the synagogue trying to convince them uh, that Jesus was the one to follow, and they rejected him, and even uh, threw him in prison, Paul continued. He continued to share the same message of love and grace. And so he says, um, you know how I have lived. I served the Lord, and, and I held nothing back. In other words, he, he says, there is nothing that I held back. I did everything uh, that I could in the power of the Holy Spirit so that you might know Jesus as the way, that you might know Jesus as the Savior, you might know Jesus as the one through whom God's grace has been poured out upon us. I have held nothing back, whether publicly or in private. Sometimes that meant Paul needed to be encouraging for some people. They just needed to hear an encouraging word that God loved them and God cared for them and God was beside them. For other people, Paul needed to put his boots on and give them a good kick and a challenge because they didn't get it. 
And Paul needed to challenge things that they said and said, you know, that doesn't sound very Christ-like. And so um, Paul says, I didn't leave anything on the table. I did everything uh, that I could so that you would know the love and the grace of Jesus. I was bold in my proclamation. And I interacted with all people. Uh, Paul didn't just come into a city and gather a few people around him and and simply uh, speak to uh, the church. He didn't simply speak to the gathering of followers of Jesus. He went out into the streets and he spoke to people from all walks of life and met them where they were and left nothing on the table. Living his life in such a way that the love and the grace of Jesus were so evident so that when the words came out, people simply said, Oh, that's why he lives that way. You see, Paul, Paul said, also he says in here, it was not, I didn't have a message for for people um, I, didn't, I didn't have a message of who's in or out. My goal wasn't to say, oh, you all are in, and then go to the folks outside and say, you all are, are out, and you better change your ways, or you're going to go to hell. Paul's message was one of invitation. Paul's message was not one about whether or not we are in or out, but his message was, who are we walking toward? And he says, I called everyone, Jews, Gentiles, followers of Jesus, I called everyone to be conscious about the direction in which you are walking. Are you walking toward Jesus? He invited everyone to continually look at every aspects of their lives and then those aspects that they found themselves walking in a direction away from God or at least not toward God, that they should repent, that they should change their hearts and their minds and that they should turn to God. And that message was the same whether they considered themselves insiders or outsiders. The message was the same. Come and experience the grace of Jesus. And even though Paul emphasized that the way we live life matters, at the same time he was emphasizing, but here's the good news, uh, the past doesn't have to define you completely. It's never too late to turn to God and to begin living a life of legacy that demonstrates God's presence that demonstrates Jesus' love and grace. And so he encouraged and continually proclaimed the good news of God's grace. God continues to call us and invite us to walk with him. A wonderful uh, um, theologian, uh, Eugene Peterson, in his commentary on the book of Ephesians, actually he wrote a whole book called Practice Resurrection. And he says the whole book of Ephesus um, and the whole uh, a good understanding of Paul's ministry is that he reminds us that God calls and we walk. 
God calls and we walk. God pours out His graciousness upon us, inviting us to follow Him. But it is up to us. It is up to us to walk with God in this grace. And so as Paul is leaving the church, um, it, it, he, he says in this one passage, um, so I'm not responsible for you. In essence, in other words, Paul says, because of the way I have lived my life, because I have poured it all out on the table, I am able to move on into this next phase of life where God calls me, this next adventure that God calls me in Jerusalem. I am able to go forward without any regrets because I know the way that I live my life, the way that I shared the gospel, that I have done everything in the power of the Holy Spirit to give folks the opportunity to, to hear and to experience this incredibly extravagant generosity of God that he spoke about. And so Paul says, I am able uh, to continue to follow God knowing that I have done all. And then he says, in essence, um, he says to these leaders of Ephesus, now... It's your turn. Now it's your turn. I'm going to Jerusalem. You all are staying in Ephesus. Will you be able to one day say, you know how I have lived among you from the very first time that I turned toward Jesus and started following him? Will you be able to say, I heard God's call and I have been walking toward God and Jesus ever since. And you know that because you have seen the way I live my life. He says, now it's up to you. Will you be willing to proclaim God's love and grace rather than His hate and condemnation? Will you be willing to shout at the top of your lungs that God is not a God who is just waiting to condemn the world, but God is a God who so loved the world that He came and He lived in such a way that He showed us what it means to be a human and that He went to the cross He went to the cross to carry away the sins of the world, to take away the condemnation so that people might experience the forgiveness. Are we willing to live our lives and to proclaim as loudly as we can that we want as many people as possible to experience experience the incredibly extravagant generosity of God? That's the message Paul left with the leaders of Ephesus. And so I hope those of us today hear Paul's message. How we live our lives matters. Are we serving the Lord? Are we doing all that we can to make a difference in the lives of other people so that they experience the love and the grace of Jesus? Are we 
rather than unite, rather than dividing people, uniting and inviting people, not to be in or out, but to turn and to follow Jesus in all of their life. Will we be able one day to stand up and say, you know how I have lived among you. And it is a testament to the wonderful grace and love of Jesus Christ. That is my prayer. It says afterwards, Paul knelt, and I think that prayer that we read in Ephesians is the prayer that he prayed. May you, rooted in the love of God, know all the dimensions of God's love so that it fills you in every inch of your body so that it flows from you and out into the world so that others cannot help but be touched by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. May we go forth this day to allow that to happen to us. Amen. And now as the choir comes up, they're going to sing one of my favorite songs, Trust and Obey, uh, because really it is about trusting, uh, trusting Jesus and following in His way, not because that we are afraid of God or what might happen to us, but because we know if we trust and obey that life will be abundantly full. As they come forward, I want to invite you all. One of the ways that we um, are called to respond is to continue to support the church with, um, with your pocketbooks and your finances. And so I encourage you, um, whether you're at home or here, uh, to be sure to take the time to, um, to write out your tithe and send that in or drop it in the offering plate when you leave. Uh, but more than that, more than that, I invite you to hear and listen for God's call. And if you're not doing it now, begin today to walk toward Jesus. In fact, better than that, start running toward Jesus. Amen.